0: log Talk Radio. No, that's okay. And welcome once again to Lucky Mojo Hour. Brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of clifflow.com in Phoenix, New Jersey, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Doc Murphy of Group Doc Murphy in the Twin Cities of Pagamistan. This week we'll be joined by a special guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of of templeofmiriam.com in Seattle, Washington, bringing us today's topic on Souls and Soulmates. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, kanja, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodoists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the, snow, into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Doc Murphy. Ms. Cat,
1: Hi. Well, we had a wonderful little talk prior to the show going live. We even made a list of different things relating to this topic. This is probably one of the most prepared shows we've gone into. I don't know why. We just <laughs> all sat around and talked about it. So, how are things going, Clifford.
0: Things are good. I'm just snowed here, snowed in here. I, I, I slipped up earlier about the show. Said snow because it's on my mind. It's about 20 degrees out here in scenic Teaneck, New Jersey, and it's chilly as hell. Otherwise, oh things are great.
1: Wow. All right. How well, you- stay warm. I'm fine. I'm out here in uh, sunny California. Um, half the Lucky Mojo Curio Company is out with Omicron COVID nobody is in the hospital, nobody is suffering badly, Um, they keep on just getting positive tests. And these are people who were vaccinated and, in one case, boosted, in the other case, not boosted. And there are people also who are testing negative. And so we are limping along. I'm cool, I'm negative, and I'm not going down into the shop (laughs) it all gets straightened out but if you ordered from lucky mojo just to let you know we do have a little bit of a of a covid um, problem uh, this week and last week as well and um, and also i know that other uh, metaphysical stores have reported the same papa g in nashville had a covid outage uh, but he you know they got over it and um, nobody ended up in the hospital so that was fine so I'm just letting people know that's what's going on with us. And um, I've been working um, very, very hard on uh, photography. I've been enjoying photographing uh, little bits and pieces of the shop, getting them out on Facebook and Instagram. And I've been adding photos to the Lucky Mojo forum, which is started off as one of those old-fashioned forums where everything was in text. And uh, there's now a lot of photos. And if you have photos of Lucky Mojo products or, um, you know, anything you want to share with us, we would love it because getting those pictures of our products out and in use is something that does us good as a company. And um, I guess that's it. I've been doing a lot of reading on Hoodoo Psychics and Via Air. And the biggest news of the week is via AIR, we have a new member of AIR. Just got accepted in, and her page will go live on Tuesday, and it's Freya Rose. Now, many people will remember Freya Rose under the name Fiakna Rose when she was a moderator at the Lucky Mojo Forum. And she was, she's made 1,300 and some posts at the forum, very helpful woman. And she has joined AIR and Hootie Psychics. And if you liked her posts on the forum, where she's just a very kind, spiritual person, you're going to love getting readings from her and cleansings. She specializes in cleansings and healings, both uh, in person in New Mexico and remote so we'll be talking with her next week but i just wanted to say that this is my big news for the week i've got to go in and she'll make her page and that'll be fun so we're really welcoming her and we're very happy to have her so today um our normal average usual um copacetic and um and peripatetic co-host conjure could not make it he had other things to do and so we have our usual fabulous fill-in co-host who i just love so much doc murphy and doc with murphy more? is um hello and doc murphy is going to be in air soon i know it i know it <laughs> it's, <laughs> going, it's going to happen um but um how's it going with you up there in the frozen tundra
2: Oh, we're frozen. I, I just got back from the grocery store about an hour ago, and I am still thawing out. This is this is just the way it is up here. We're 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 in a freezer spell. We live here. Um, um, it's a little tired too. This has been a a, a week that's been almost too eventful. In the la- in the course of the last three days, I had a job interview. Uh, came home that afternoon, got laid off again from my my COVID job. Um, and I, I think some people remember a, a while back I called in about a reading about uh a fellow who I thought had ghosted me he's back he's back um and we're hmm. communicating again on a regular basis, but the reason he was quiet is because he found out in November he had cancer um seems like his prognosis is getting worse every time I talk to him. There's hmm. just a lot with all of the retrograde planets and all the energy and everything else going on and it's it's um starting to feel like a lot but um, I spent the day communicating with said individual. I spent the day actually with my best friend starting to work on designing a new website because I said that i 'm not going to be backed in a corner anymore now i 'm just angry and this is this is the opportunity I can have to like just punch it and get on air and get on all these other opportunities that are appearing and hopefully I'll get the, the new job. Uh if not, I'm this is this is the impetus I need to punch forward and get my own thing going anyway. So, it's a lot. It really feels like it's been a lot this week, but I'm all, I'm hanging in there somehow. Good. Good. Well, um, yeah,
1: you it sounds like you're going through what I call the ups and downs. Um Whew. but you know, we're all standing here with you and it may just be as the. As the uh, optimists say, it just may be the universe sending you a message. (laughs) You can think about that for a moment. Um, You know, uh, the the message being, how about you take this path that will actually serve you and help you serve others instead of these other paths? (laughs) It may be. It may be. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I'm going to write it. I'm just, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm a very optimistic person. Well, um, we have uh, today as a guest um, our former announcer and um, full-time cousin, um, Jeremy Weiss. So welcome to the show, Dr. Jeremy. (laughs) Hello.
3: Hi. How are you?
1: I'm fine, (laughs) cuz.
3: Yeah, so a lot of cousins on the show.
1: This is, you know, we've we've had. This is so interesting to me. Um, I, we've mentioned this before. Clifford Lowe, our announcer, is also one of our cousins. And we've had shows where we've had three Tauruses and even four Tauruses. Right. But three, right. But but this is three a three cousin show. And. We didn't know we were cousins growing up. Not we just didn't. It all came out through DNA and genetics and genealogy, and you know, like oh my God, we're all cousins, right? So I'm waiting for the fourth cousin to show up. At some <laughs> point, that we will have a four cousin show. This I swear. <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be weird. The him um, show. The polish of will show up. That's right. I was going to leave the door open for Elijah myself. (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
2: There you
1: go. Okay. Um, So, um, welcome back. Welcome here. Welcome, welcome, Jeremy. Um, You are the one who um, people know has um, started off becoming well-known in the magical community because of your knowledge of hoodoo. And um and then kind of have gone on to what I would call the reclaiming tradition of Jewish folk magic as a, as opposed to the Kabbalah. And I know you have a Jewish um folk magic festival that you run and you have put out books on the subject and so um tell us what's new in your world, you know, for the last month or so, week, year. Oh.
3: My my gosh! Well, you have well. Firstly, let me thank you because you have been gloriously supportive of all my endeavors. Um, so much appreciated, cousin. Um, uh, my, we've had a lot. It's been incredibly busy. It's been last month we held the first ever recorded uh, uh, Heiner Plet, which is a, a a psychic death trance. Um, that was performed in the in the 16th as early as, as the 16th century. We had 300 people uh, sign up uh, uh, for the event to receive ancestral readings um, and uh, it's done actually through a mechanism of uh, communing of the souls, so it kind of pertains to the subject uh, for today. and. On top of that uh, I, we're launching the the Jewish magic festival of course is is coming march twenty uh, seventh and twenty eighth and we'll be talking about techniques of exorcism and uh, 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 techniques of mediumship for gnosis and uh, incense making and all, all sorts of, of of really fat lilith fascinating uh, topics I've been Busy preparing and going crazy uh, for that, and just today we had a new product launch. Honestly, um, it's called the Negative Energy um, Cleansing Crystal, and uh, it, so it's on, on the website. So it's been crazy. I've been blogging and producing and writing and filming and and taking calls from clients and
1: doing it all. Doing it all. Wow. Wow. And that, folks, is Sagittarius energy. <laughs> it
3: is.
2: Uh,
3: yeah, it's the energy of all of our ancestors combined, really. Because I feel like you know I'm reaching back to all of this. You know how just like the the, the you and I we had this reason that this this today's topic came up. Look, if I can sort of like you know. Uh, uh, Taurus over here um, mm-hmm. is, is 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 that you and I had this fascinating conversation a couple of weeks ago about about the souls and 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 soulmates and we were talking about all this all, all this stuff and, and and exchanging you know various traditional thoughts about ancestors and if your ancestors are with us and and what can souls do and can they are, are they limited to uh uh um you know occupying just one body or is there a reincarnation we found ourselves like dancing around all these fascinating little techniques uh, or or discussions um and uh and here we are
1: and here we are all right here well we are. i'd like to i'd like to start this off with what um uh i was first drawn to the idea of what's a soulmate. And this is going to be a sort of a tutorial, so we're going to all weigh in with our opinions, but we're not all going to agree, but we're going to teach you what we know. Back in the day, there was an ad. Many, many psychics used it. It appeared in national tabloids. It appeared in local newspapers and the classified. The usual text was, I reunite soulmates in 24 hours, guaranteed. And this ad uh, just hounded me everywhere I'd go. I'm traveling through some unknown town, pick up a local newspaper, and there's that ad. It's always a different person, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. And And I began to wonder, what does this mean? I reunite soulmates in 24 hours guaranteed. So I, I went to one of these places just to see what were they talking about? What was it about? And it was very obvious that it was a scam, um, just from the way the place was set up and what was going on. <clears throat> but it was very interesting because what they thought <clears throat> a soulmate would be was a person you had had a relationship with it had not resulted in a marriage and you were pining for them. So they were working from a platonic concept of the Split apart, male and female entities who become these two souls, endlessly howling and reaching for each other throughout the world, and that you would never be happy till you met your true soulmate. And so I spun out a little tale to the reader about how I found this person who I thought was my soulmate, but then they married somebody else, and I wanted to see what they would do. You know, were they going to like encourage me to commit adultery with this person, or were they going to you know tell me to forget it? And they had a an answer, which was that person wasn't your true soulmate. They may have seemed like your soulmate, but they were only there to teach you a lesson. So that's a really cool weird line of scam so i went to another one of these in another city i just was traveling around in those days and okay they guarantee to reunite soulmates in 24 hours i went in i spun out even a more sophisticated version of the story and they spun the same answer back at me well you thought they were your soulmate but it's because they fooled you and so i was painted as the victim of the soulmate um i guess you could call predator (laughs) Um, and but, but they were going to show me now that that wasn't my soulmate and they were going to find me my real soulmate. And I said, well, can you find me my real soulmate in 24 hours? And they said, no, we'll have to burn a candle and you'll have to come back later. Of course, I did not. So that's when I became um, acquainted with the idea of soulmates. This was in the 70s, 80s. They were still doing it. So I began to do a taxonomy of soulmates. And my taxonomy is as follows. There are many others that can be added. There is the romantic soulmate. That's what the I reunite soulmates person is thinking of, the romantic soulmate that you were parted from, and now you're searching for one another. And you may have known each other in a previous lifetime, if you believe in previous lifetimes, or you may have met as children, whatever. And then there's what I call the um, astrological soulmate or sometimes called an astro twin. This is a person who either is born on the same day as you and has almost exactly the same chart, an astro twin, but they are located somewhere else in the world and it's your duty to find them. Not necessarily yeah. for mating, but to, like you're going to, it's like, you know, some sort of a positive and negative charge in a hadron collider. Wonder and twin painting. powers. Yeah,
2: yeah right, exactly. <laughs> but there's also...
1: There's also the astrological twin in which all of your planets are in mutual reception with the corresponding planet in a sort of a heteronormative way. Your Venus on their Mars, their Mars on your Venus, your Sun on their Moon, their Moon on your Sun. I used to sit there and do charts trying to figure out if such people could be found, and they can be, actually. Then there are people who are what I call devotional soulmates. They uh, fall in love with a another being, this could be a religious being, a literary figure, dead or alive, a celebrity, dead or alive, and they believe that they are that person's soulmate. Why, if only I could meet Justin Timberlake, I would solve all his problems. He's just been waiting for me, or whoever the celebrity du jour is. These people are often deluded, and they use the term soulmate in a kind of a wacky way. Then there are genetic soulmates, and this is what I was talking about with the cousins. Um, Here are three cousins. How did it happen that three descendants of the Lowe family from Prague just happened to be on the radio show together talking about folk magic? Isn't that odd? Out of all the gin joints in all the world, how did we all happen to meet each other? And one of us, even Clifford, bears the name Lowe. The rest of us got a little female Name changes in between, but we're all related. That's kind of weird, isn't it? And then there are spiritual soulmates. These are the, the, you know, those medieval sainted women who believe they are the bride of Christ, right? Christ is kind of like the universal soulmate for a lot of lonely women, especially lonely religious women. And then there are cross-species soulmates. Um, the most famous example being Nikola Tesla, who fell in love with a white pigeon, and believed they were mated. And when the pigeon died, he realized he would never make another invention, and he would his life as a as a you know electrical inventor was over. The See, pigeon uh, was his soulmate.
3: I, I I'm, I'm having a little I, I I'm having a little trouble here.
1: A little, yes.
3: Because I think that really there's a distinction that needs to be made. I mean, soulmate, and I'm just bringing it to your attention, soulmate, by definition, implies the existence of the soul. And some of these categories (laughs) about which you're talking do not include a soul. They are just a perfect match. And so Mm -hmm. I would say that the astrological Soulmate is just hijacking the word as a shorthand to communicate. Oh yeah, 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 the perfect mate, and because it doesn't have anything to do with the soul, it's your astrological perfect mate. Mm-hmm. So I think well, there's a little confu- I think there's a little
1: distinction to be made. Yeah, I there think a is. But then the question is. Mm, but Jeremy, then the question is, what's the soul? If the soul, and, mm-hmm. and of course we, we know, because we've talked about this and studied it a little bit, not every culture believes that there is a soul for every being. Some think mm-hmm. that all souls are only confined to human beings. Some people believe that everybody has one soul, that is their essence. In some cultures there are three souls, five souls, twenty different mm-hmm. souls, and each soul has rulership or control over part of your entity or, or your know, universality. So this is where I kind of broke it down into this idea. If we have souls, um which is sometimes distinguished from spirits, by the way, which is a whole other story, but if we have uh-huh. souls, and you say, well, this cat or this dog or this horse is my soul-mated horse, <laughs> right? that doesn't stop you from having a soul-mated lover. I don't mean unless you're using the horse as your lover, which I wouldn't think you would. So there is a there is an ambiguity about the word soul. And I do want to say that um, we have a webpage at AIR, and I hope it gets um, noted here, that Miss Michael wrote on the soul. And she did a tremendous service, breaking down these different qualities of the soul, these different theories of the soul. Once you have the idea of a the soul, there's also the question of what happens after death or before birth. Mm-hmm. If the soul is transcendent, what happens to that relationship? Now, I know people whose mate died, and they remarry. And I know other people who say, oh, I don't need to remarry because he slash she is with me, we're still mated they're just not around anymore. And they believe themselves to be soul-mated to a deceased individual. And we'll catch up again in the next lifetime, is a common statement also from those people. So I think what I want to talk about here is that, first of all, whatever you, the listener, comes to think about this topic of the perfect soulmate or the perfect mate, it's going to be based upon what you think about the soul. And that's your exact mm-hmm. right, Jeremy. So, Jeremy, why don't you give us a little, and, and I'm sure that uh, Doc Murphy can pitch in too, give us a little <laughs> overview of the soul. And by the way, it's readersandrootworkers.org slash wiki, which is W-I-K-I, slash soul. It's about as easy as you can get. And if you go there, you'll find a lot of stuff. But go ahead and talk about what the soul is so we know that the soul can be mated, perhaps.
3: Well, sure, sure, sure. Well, I my expertise, really, is, of course, um, in the uh, soul as thought of in the various Jewish traditions, in the Jewish tradition. And um, interestingly... Uh, in early Judaism before say around the 10th century um, the idea of a soul was not so prominent in Judaism um, and and the and when you died there was your soul uh, could either go to heaven or Gehenna which is a, a type of hell and then around the 9th uh, century they begin to have this idea in, uh, uh, in you know um, in Europe that uh, uh, there is a soul and maybe there's this idea of reincarnation but at first it's rejected and they actually make fun of it uh, but by the 10th century they then these Kabbalists that come around well they're a little bit later uh and they, these people uh these rabbis and sages they they begin to adopt it as as this whole idea, and then by the sixteenth century um they change the whole religion kind of shifts from that, that model about heaven and hell, and they add in this idea of undergoing reincarnation, um, or at least a certain sect of Jews did, uh, the, the Loriana Kabbalists uh, uh, did. And then they sort of had this idea that the soul was divided into four parts. There was the, the nephesh, and, and this is the fundamental vitality that animates. All sentient life, um, and this is the thing that remains in the world. It's, it's able to communicate with the living. It's, it's the part of the soul um, that you can see as uh, apparitions of the dead. You know, ghosts. The but but in the in the you know in graveyards and in your dreams. That's the nephesh. And then there's the, the Ruach, which is a part of the soul that is the center of morality and emotion. And by the 16th century, the Kabbalists thought that if the Ruach didn't undergo uh, this reincarnation process known as gilgul it was prevented from doing that, the the soul could become a dibek, which would be an unhappy soul, and it would jump into someone else and, like, possess them. And then there was... The part of the soul called the neshama, and the neshama is the part of the soul that is the highest self, and that allows the person the the awareness of the divine. Um, that's the part that's in in that we use in, in the higher plait to commune with other souls that are in heaven. And then there's the the finally they divided it into the, the Kabbalists divided it into the chaya, which is a part of the soul that that's, that's kind of like your sixth sense. It's your ability to to tune into the divine, you know, and it's with your Chaya that you're able to actually, you know, that some people are actually able to perform miracles with their, like, Chaya part of their soul. So that's the idea of the soul, you know, from the Jewish Kabbalistic kind of point of view, but it's uh, and it is in some ways very similar to uh other religions, a hindu type uh, um,
1: uh tradition yes and i and I got to say you said something earlier on. I would do want to say this for people who need to hear it. Certain sects of Judaism um Judaism has different denominations. if you don't know about that, just think of the difference between the Catholics and the hardshell Baptists so um, not all Jews believe in reincarnation. In fact, many of them look at, at a statement like reincarnation exists, and they just go, "What are you talking right. about?"
3: There's right? lots of opinions. There's as many opinions. It's a
1: it's a very right. interesting
3: religion that way. Um, and if I had a bibliomancy moment uh, where earlier today I I, I had a student uh, and we we were looking something up. And I've been telling them over and over and over in the Jewish tradition, we, you know, it's all subject of, of differing opinions, and we're constantly debating. And we looked something up in the Talmud, and the very first line that our eyes fell upon was about these two rabbis debating, you know, uh, <laughs> argument. And I was That's like, funny. see, you know, you go right to the thing, you know, there it is.
1: There it is. Well, I'd like to put in a word for Christianity, since most of our listeners will be Christian um, for obvious reasons. And there are different ideas about the soul in different Christian religions, too. There is the idea that after death, the soul goes to purgatory. That is a Catholic belief. Um, It hangs around in purgatory. It can evolve or graduate up toward heaven after having served time in purgatory or it can descend to hell. There are those who go, I guess, straight to hell and do not pass go and do not collect $200. There are those who are innocent, but they must be baptized or they can't go to heaven directly. Um, And that is very different than, for instance, what the Baptists believe, which is much more in line with what Jesus taught, which is that the soul sleeps. And so you end up with Black Baptist gospel songs like, Sleep on, Mother, sleep on, lay down and take your rest. You got to lay your head down upon your Savior's breast. So when you listen to a song like that, you know they're speaking of a specific afterlife in which the mother sleeps and this and the dead sleep and do not know anything until they awaken again and there are many jew that comes from an earlier form of judaism and so many jews are in line with the baptists strangely enough so these ideas are all out there for anyone to grab a hold of there's the idea that there are people we are meant to know that for some reason We will know them when we see them. We will we will know them on sight. I have theories about this having to do with literal um, biochemical cues that somebody would be, um, you know, have the same um, major histocompatibility complex. You'd smell them and you'd go, one of us, one of us, right? You'd know them even if you found them somewhere else and. This is kind of like astrological mates. This is this is mates based on pheromones and and other things. Someone whose blood type would be suitable for you to exchange a kidney with, right? I mean, those are soul mates too. Insofar as the soul is said to live in the heart or in the kidneys or in various places in the body, according to the Egyptians, those people that you recognize that way may have some. Um, biomedical, chemical connection to you. That doesn't mean you can um, expect to marry them necessarily. So in a way, all of these um, ideas um, that, that your soul is going to survive, it's going to reincarnate, it's going to wait to go to heaven or hell for the Day of the Judgment, Onyx Rose said, rather snarkily, in Christianity, hell is like the default position. I don't know about that because, you know, most people like, you know, and then what is the rainbow bridge? Where did that come from? Suddenly, when I was a kid, all the Christians, I hated the Christians before one thing and one thing only, they said that, Animals didn't go to heaven. I thought, these people are horrible, horrible, horrible. I know animals go to heaven. How can they say that? They're so wretched. All of a sudden, the Christians did a 180. They invented the rainbow bridge. You can look it up. It just came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, all of them talk about the rainbow bridge. It's not in the the Bible, Mr. Phillips. It's not in the Bible, but now Christians believe in it. Just the way the Lurianic Jews went all into reincarnation.
2: So if you want to know something else that became a a recent change, we were talking about uh, the Catholic tradition with regard to what happens to souls. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, you know, you can go to heaven if you were real good, you can go to purgatory if you screwed up a little bit and people could pray you back out. You could go to hell if you were really bad. And there used to be, uh, a place where unbaptized babies or stillborn souls would go that was called limbo, and it was basically <sighs> heaven except you couldn 't be near god that was if you go into Catholic cemeteries, you will see that um Catholic infants were usually buried away from the rest of the people in Catholic cemeteries because their souls were still not considered well enough to go to heaven. And so that sort of like pollution narrative was still there. You actually can go to Catholic cemeteries and you'll see gravestones that say baby boy Johnson, baby girl so-and-so, and they're away from the adult's. Um, and that used to be the idea was that like, well, you know, they couldn't go to heaven to be near God because they died before they could be baptized, but they're in a pretty nice place and that's okay. Well, Pope Benedict, this is the Pope that was the, the, the Pope before the current Pope, got word that the Muslim, when the, when the people asked the Muslim clerics, well, what happens to the souls of, of um, uh, babies who die or, or stillborn babies? And the Muslims said, well, they go right to heaven. For heaven's sakes, they're just babies. It's They're not guilty of anything. It's a fault. And Benedict was like, oh, this is going to make Catholics look really bad. So in an instant, he wrote a piece of paper, and limbo is gone. So You're now kidding. according to Catholic theology, I'm not kidding. Now according to Catholic theology, unborn and stillborn babies can, and uh, unbaptized babies go straight to heaven. And they got some explaining to do in those old Catholic cemeteries where that, that practice wow. is actually still uh, – yeah, so wow. it's – uh, that was just a little... A little. Oh, Let's just talk about... And, and the thing about anthropologically speaking, when you talk about how a religion or how a culture talks about what happens after you die, it's oftentimes a reflection of how you think you should live. Um, oftentimes the afterlife is like a cosmic blueprint of how a society should be or how people should be. Um, I remember talking with um, one of my mentors, Ilga, who was Latvian, and she used to say that the reason that the... Latvian people, especially those who were not... It wasn't a very heavily converted area, there's still so a lot of pagan business going on there, but they said evidence that uh, aspen trees, for example, had a, had a soul was that you know, in the wind they would quiver. You would see the leaves kind of shimmering and quivering in the wind, and that was evidence there that, the, that not only that the goddess inhabited, but that you know, living creatures had a soul, which again brings up the question from culture to culture. Is an animating spirit the same thing as a soul? Um, my old mentor, John Boatman, who gave me my first teaching gig, was uh, Midewin. He was a Midewin Society a Ojibwe elder. And he said that in his history, in his culture, everyone has a spirit and a soul. And what happens is that if you're sleeping and you're dreaming or if you're astral projecting, it's your spirit that flies around, you know, getting messages, visiting people, doing things. Your soul has to stay rooted to your body. When your soul leaves your body, that's when you die. But you can you can... You know, and there's also um, uh, a lot of practices in, in uh, uh, pagan traditions here. A lot of shamanic work is done where people have lost a piece of their soul and they do soul retrieval where, you know, basically you have your soul, but something traumatic or upsetting or or um, um, terrible has happened, and there's a notion that your soul is present, but it is fragile, and it can break or you can lose pieces of it. And so there's often spiritual practices that you can do to retrieve parts of your soul. I've been through some of these, and they're really remarkable experiences. So um, it brings up a lot of questions with regard to the cultural perspective on, you know, what role does the soul perform to a person, does it keep you alive? Is it, is it inherently strong, impenetrable, immortal? Can it break, can it become damaged? Is it the same as an animating spirit? Can you have a spirit without a soul or a soul without a spirit? Um, a lot of the tales of things like the walking dead in various cultures and zombies and vampires that sort of thing are people that don't have, that have spirits but don't have souls. So you can really wade into some really interesting cross-cultural uh, territory here, but um, I thought I'd update you a little bit on what the Catholics have been thinking about where souls go lately. That was that, that was one that kind of made me laugh a little bit when it happened.
1: Well, you know, this is this is all absolutely true that that these ideas are malleable, but we still have this search for the soul mate the perfect other and i and as i've said earlier this is a platonic ideal and i'm going to throw a little bit of cold water on that platonic ideal much <laughs> as i like plato um but i'm i'm not a platonist I, I wish i could have been i tried really hard to be a platonist for about 10 years but i couldn't do it it just didn't work for me i thought it was so simple if you could just say i'm a platonist and i'll be fine then i could be a neoplatonist no it didn't work so um with the platonic ideals and this idea that you're going to find this perfect mate i started thinking about human overpopulation i know it's something on my mind all the time and i thought you know You could say, if you lived in a city-state in Greece, that, yes, there is a person. You could take 200,000 people and you could say, there, that's my perfect mate. That's the one I should be with. But what if there are a million people and you don't have a chance to meet them all? And what if, you know, your family decides to go west and and just, you know, take the Oregon Trail and you never meet your soulmate because they stayed behind in Poughkeepsie, New York? Or what if your family was separated by a war and, and from other members of the family and, and you never can meet that soulmate who was in the village that your family used to live in? So I started thinking about how do you reach out? There's pen pal clubs. People would often fall in love remotely through a pen pal club. Now they do it, of course, through the Internet, sometimes uh, to the point of losing all their money to a Nigerian scammer. but the idea that there is a mate out there for you is a very strong belief. And I began to think, why one? At what number does it become statistically possible for there to be more than one mate? I know this sounds, it's just, you know, this is just me thinking, but I started thinking about this. I thought, I bet... If there were one million men, of course, I'm a heterosexual woman. If there were one million men, I bet I could find two. I bet I could. The two that would be just about as perfect one as the other. Not that they would be twins, but that I'd be satisfied with either one. And I thought, well, what about if there were, you know, four million men? What about, by this time, the population of the world was ex- increasing exponentially. And when we began to hit billions and billions of people in the world, I would laugh to myself, especially when I was single and and horny, and I'd say, somewhere in Transylvania or maybe Tajikistan or maybe Tokyo or maybe some other place that begins with the letter T, somewhere there's a guy thinking, if only I could meet my soulmate. I just have to find this guy. So when the Internet was invented, I thought, this is it. Now I can find my soulmate. And here's the kicker. I did. I went on the Internet, and I met a guy whose name started with a T, incidentally, and a Tiagi, who is now Nagashiva. And it, it wasn't all that hard to actually run into each other, smell each other, fall in love, and marry. It was easy. So the next thing I have to say is that don't believe that there's only one soulmate. In my opinion, is... That you would be able to find it on this earth oh my gosh you might find at least 15 or 20 of them unless you have a very specialized idea so cousin joshua says yes it is a numbers game and that's that's the truth so we talk a lot about doing these cut and clear spells where you write down the list of what you don't want and the list of what you do want the two list method right and that's a good way to find a soulmate. Is you just put out your, you know, your your shopping list. This is what I want, and um, eventually you'll find the people who match up with all of those things. Miss Miranda Taro says, "I think we have many soulmates." That's kind of what I'm saying, um, and some may be soulmates on one level and some on another. You just you feel simpatico, you feel a vibration. Um, there are, of course, oddly inappropriate. Um, soulmates you know you find somebody and um and you think am i deluding myself this person is so far away but you meet and bang it's right you know um and of course it can also be wrong if you you know don't stick with your program of what's on that list oh uh, he's perfect except for he's a heroin addict you know you you kind of vary from your your shopping list i'm very convinced that um finding a soulmate is not as hard as it seems to be and that losing a soulmate well like the old readers used to say maybe that wasn't your soulmate after all but even if it was there may be another and i'm i'm trying to tell people my clients don't buy into this idea that there's only one person in the universe for you i think that uh, god has a backup plan that's what i think
2: I've, I've seen that in the, in the pagan community as well. There are some folks that when they become uh, married and soul-fasted, soul soul-mated, um, uh, they really do believe that, you know, throughout lifetimes their souls will always be together. Well, you know, one partner sadly passes away. And many times we've seen how the, the other partner who is still living kind of doesn't move on. Um, and they don't seem also to be satisfied with well okay I can I can move on or I'm happy with this being soulmate thing. There are some folks that are so hooked in the idea that I am I am soul tied to this person who is no longer here that um, you kind of see the life draining out of them. Um, we've had a few people in the community suffer through that. So if anything to back up and to say if you know reminding people that you have more than one soulmate means that you know you can you can love another. While in this lifetime, and still be bound, you know, in uh, in soul to your original mate. Let, you know, please accept that because, um, you know, we don't want you to make yourself unhappy um, in this mm-hmm. lifetime. If if your soulmate is no longer physically beside you, you 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 can have a great time with another soulmate or with another partner.
1: Yeah, and that's not to say you have to take, um, you know, second best um i I really do think there is a lot going on in the world that um well, you know when you feel like you've lost someone, it can put you down into a real downward spiral and you think, well you know what am I living for, if not for you? It's old lyrics. Mm-hmm. but um but and that's that's that kind of self deprecating and self-depressing lyrics what am i living for if not for you nobody else nobody else will do i don't think so i think that somebody else somebody else will do and yeah we go through depression if we lose somebody they didn't measure up they didn't like us as much as we liked them they died whatever happened um there is still our own soul our own center is crying out to be mated, and I don't think anybody should ever give up. Well,
3: um, you know, it, 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 it's it's interesting that you that you bring that up. You know, that's a very positive, that's a wonderfully positive uh, outlook, and, I, and, I, and I, I want to reassure people in the in the in the Jewish tradition. We acknowledge that it. It is hard. A good marriage is considered to be as miraculous as the parting of the Red Sea, um, <laughs> according to Talmud. Um, but interestingly, uh, in the Jewish tradition, they also believe that successful matchmaking has kept God busy since the time of creation. And that this is in both the Talmud and the Zohar. So uh, every, you know, uh the divine is working on your behalf if you're out there you know mm-hmm. it's out there yeah mm-hmm. and that uh we also have this concept of known as a bashert right That's a different type of soulmate that's a belief in 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 destiny or fate of something that is that is meant to be bashert it's it's there it's there Divinely preordained soulmate, you know your. The, but it could be a, uh, like the perfect fit of jeans that that just fits your your derriere just perfectly, right? There could be more than one brand, right? You could have <laughs> you could have Levi's that is perfect for your calipigus tuchus, and you could have you know Lee <laughs> that's good for your steatopegic buttocks. You know, <laughs> right, and that uh, they could both be your bus yard, your
1: You're your funny. destiny. You're funny. The um, perfect fit. There was a there was a a minor hit when I was a kid um, by a group called the Loading Zone, and the name of the song was "Don't Lose Control of Your Soul," and um, yeah, it it was. It was fun. It was good. And it really um, it was kind of a, a watchword around where I lived at the time. Um, it wasn't, I don't think, a national hit, probably just a Bay Area hit. Um, but don't lose control of your soul was, a, was kind of a watchword. So we're not here to make fun of the idea of soulmates. Um, if you really do find someone who you are, Compatible with over many, many systems, you both like the same amount of salt in your food. Did you ever think that would be a problem? like he likes salt? I don't like salt or i you know no, if you like the same amount of salt in your food, that's a good reason to live with somebody. If you like sex the same amount of times per week, month, or year, that's a good reason to be with somebody if you have the same grooming frequency or habits you know that's a good reason to be together and from these little building blocks the soul of the body is made i i despair for the people who believe they are the soulmate of some rock star that's that's you know, very difficult very difficult and um well that's what you got it's a, it's a problem and as a professional reader I see an awful lot of that. Um you know, people wanting you to I don't know, make it make it work for them, but it won't, you know. So, I I'm, I'm not um I'm going to I'm going to actually put in <laughs> a YouTube link to this um funny old song, Don't lose control of your soul. Um if you lose control of your soul, it my problem. Uh, well, uh, if,
3: if, if you lose control of your soul, is that, is that because uh, your soul escaped? Is it possessed? What happened?
1: You know, that I think song. That, song, that song came out during a time when soul also acquired another meaning. And what it really meant was urban, black, anything. Soul food, soul music. It's soul train T V show? Soul train T V show, right. And so Soul became this sort of um shorthand for that and then this was used a lot in the Bay Area and so this idea of don't lose control of your soul was kind of a it was kind of a little thing about, you know, keep your hip, keep your keep your togetherness, you know <laughs> together. Um And that's another thing we need to talk about, too, is if soul is used as a synonym for black culture, does that mean that the people who pioneered that use thought that people who were not black did not have souls, that they were soulless? Calling people soulless, it's a hard word to pronounce, is very common. Um, Saying that animals are soulless is common. And I think what that stands for in a more metaphysical way is that you literally cannot see the soul of that person. People are not, there are not really soulless people. They wouldn't be living, in my opinion. But um, but to say, well, I don't like that soulless corporate culture. What they're meaning is that the culture does not allow me to contact, express my soul. So... Um, I think that's, that's where that term entered in. But it's always a good idea to recognize the soul of another, however that is. And there's a bit there for young people, a warning. If you suddenly have a revelation and really realize what someone is truly like inside and you see a great deal of beauty or admirable qualities, that doesn't mean you have to fall in love with them you can have an affectional tie that is not a romantic tie. It can be devotional. It can be um, comrade-like. And there's the idea of um, souls working together for a group dynamic. People might form a um which you might call a soul commune, I guess you could say it. A group of people all dedicated to a certain purpose. They're not mates in the sense that matedness usually represents um, unit, you know, two units coming together. But there are, um, and Kurt Vonnegut spoke about this. Um, he talked about, he called them karasas in one of his novels and a karas is a group of people who all recognized something in each other's souls when they met and knew each other and they were all there to serve, help and function in some sort of way and then they might break apart again and uh, he called a uh, soul-mated people where there were two a dupras a karas built for two and that was to me an interesting word karas it relates to the word caress, and then therefore to the sex magical word caressa, and um so their idea that there are people that you can feel that you are mated to um, without being literally naked in bed together. Um, Freya Rose has joined us here and, and and says, soul family. That's a good way to put it, soul family. And, um, and Shiva says, can you have soulmate triads, soulmate circles? Yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about, the karas. And... Um, those people, when you uh, when you know them, you often will end up knowing them for decades, many many years. They will always be part of your soul group and um, a community of some sort. So, can we guarantee to reunite soulmates in 24 hours? No, we cannot. Are there people who have no soulmates? I'll weigh in on that. Yes, there are people who have no soul mates.
2: Yeah,
1: I would agree soul. with that. Yeah, you've met a few, right?
3: Sure, sure. I, I mean, there's a lot of people who they they. I mean, maybe they have soul mates, but they reject the desire to uh, for companionship or completion, and go off and and become a
1: hermit. There's, you know. Yeah. So when we when we talk about spells and I'm just going to make a a real quick idea because this is a show about spell casting and work too. One of the most interesting ways to look for a soulmate is through astral travel. And if you know about it, we've done shows on it before. It would basically consist of sort of liberating yourself um imaginatively from your body and and sort of looking, sort of flying over the world, looking for other people who are looking for you and seeing if you can hook up with them. You can sometimes get very strange uh, little, what I call, hot spots. You know, there's somebody who is looking for someone like me and they are in Toledo, Ohio. I keep on picking places with the letter T. I don't know. That must mean something. Um, and, you know, you you think, should I go to Toledo, Ohio? Or is that a fool's errand? Well, I'm here to say that, like I said before, it worked for me. It might work for you. You don't know. You don't know. Um, But you can also be misled, and you can also find someone who is really just there to be your really good friend. Don't assume that every soulmate is going to be romance. And if you want to do this kind of work, again, I think having a, for a mate, a, a literal mate, a list type program is good. If you're doing it to find people who might be uh, compatible with you on many, many more levels than the normal friendship, do some spiritual journeying. Look around in the astral plane, I guess you could call it, for them. Doc Murphy, how do you go about finding a soulmate? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, I always had a joke with friends back in college of like, there's somebody, there's your soulmate out there, there's somebody out there for you. Mine, unfortunately, is right now in Sri Lanka and is about to step in front of a bus. You know, um, <laughs> we're even a, a little get too trapped in the idea that there's one for everybody. Um, I am still on the uh anthropological fence about the notion of soulmates as I kind of mentioned before really whether or not what the role of the soul is what the soul does for you what a soulmate means if a soulmate is such a thing there's so many different cultural permutations of that that it's almost to the point where you can kind of can choose Um, how you want to engage with that sort of relationship. So I observe it a lot, like I said, in the the stand, in the pagan community here where we have so many overlapping traditions and and, uh, differences of belief. Um, Literally in the same room you can have a whole bunch of people with different opinions about not only what happens to your soul and if you have a soul, but what it means to have a soulmate and how you cultivate those relationships, both while you're walking around on this planet and after – after death. And so I'm still very much enjoying being in my favorite spot as an anthropologist, which is right on the fence, observing and watching everybody and um, refraining from coming down too heavily on a, on a position on that, but uh, open to seeing what, what that might be. Um, if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have said I think soulmates are baloney. But mm-hmm. you know you have you have to you have to kind of refrain your your point of view the more you talk to people and the more you listen to points of view. So I will just say I'm still happily on the fence about about that notion.
1: So when I take the biological point of view, I think there's something about biochemistry and astrology. In fact, astrology, biochemistry—that's my idea of soulmates. How about you, Jeremy? Um, you know I don't. I, 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 it, I I don't
3: know. I get what everyone is talking about um, for sure, and I think the problem is um, you have to think about all the other implications of what of the other things that you believe. If you don't believe in a soul, then you know how do you how do you explain possession, right, Mm -hmm. or soul transference? So right. So okay. Well, we're going to have to we're going to have to leave
1: it there. Because uh, we just had our little musical cue, so we can come back to this some other day, but I think we've given people enough ideas. Let's turn this over to um, cousin number two.
0: (laughs) All right. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curator Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. And our client today is Alexis calling from, sorry, um, from area code 510. Alexis indicated that they had uh, uh, no readings on the situation and she wrote, my husband and I want to find a bigger home. My husband and I found a house we would like to rent and submitted an application. What can of root work can I do to stand out from the other applicants? I'm financially always putting more money towards our expenses and this would require me to put out a deposit and first and last month's rent plus new furnishings and electronics. Is it in our best is it in my best interest to do so or wait until he saves up? Turning it over to you, Miss Kat.
1: All right. Um, so hello, Alexis. Are you there? Oh, she's not a present on the phone. I just saw the note. Sorry for that. Um, all right, so I'm just going to read for Alexis uh, with what we got. Um, finding a bigger home, want to know. Financially putting money toward expenses. Okay. Um, wait until he saves up. All right, I'll, I'll do a reading on that. It's hard for me to read when the person isn't present. I find I... I'm not one of those people who likes email readings either. I like to read when I hear their voice. Okay, number one is the card, the Ten of Wands. This is a guy walking toward a home in the far, far distance, holding ten poles as if he was going to build an addition onto the house or maybe a little patio, who knows. And he's on a stage. And this is a self-imposed problem. It is not so much a real problem as a mental problem, because when a person's on a stage in my card deck, I look at it as sort of the interior drama. Trying to get to the house, heavy burden to carry. You will not find what you're looking for for ten months, is how I interpret this, because it's the Ten of Wands. And um, and to me, that is, um, you know, a difficulty. The type of root work indicated because its wands would be candle magic. The next card is another wand card, so we're now still with candle magic. This is the page of wands. So this is someone searching the desert for what they want. They have a guide star. They're looking up at the sky to guide themselves. They're setting off from a known place, the Great Pyramids and the Plain of Giza, and they're going, I'm going to go forward. So this talks about refining what you want, not so much like do we have the right amount of money, and then we just take the first house that comes along. But um, what you you really want to do is get that house. Okay, so you found this house that you want to to um, get, but I'm seeing a problem in the first place. This may not be the right house because you don't have the implicit cooperation. Of your husband, and you're already mentioning this as a stress point, you're willing to move forward, but there is some problem. So I would keep on saving, I would keep on um, finding, you know, making that um, agreement between the two of you firmer. It's nice to have a house, but it's better to be bonded with your mate, in my opinion. And the third card backs this up. It is the knight of pentacles and this is the card of a man on a horse with slow money so i think that you need to do a little bit of root work around money so maybe a little bowl of money and and uh, accumulate tithes or if not tithes at least some coins that you're going to give out as charity to those who need a home but it also shows that you are ready to go um, the princess or page of wands, and the husband is stalling. So that's what I see. Candle magic will move it forward, and I think also trying to um, just give this a little time to mature. This may not be the right house at the right time. So that's um, that's kind of how I see it. I also feel, that again, this is... Um, hard to talk about with this person not being present but there's a little bit of self-dramatization here and the reason for that being the ten of wands the oh it's so difficult it's so difficult we want this bigger home and i don't think that this is really the right place yet if you just want to rent you know you want to um think as you grow older about owning a home. It's much more economical. But if you just want to rent, you certainly want to have enough money put aside for all of those months that, you know, heck, somebody got sick or whatever. I wouldn't make a move until I had, and I'm very conservative financially, I wouldn't make a move until I had at least six months ahead in my rent in a in just put away in a little bank account. I I wouldn't do it. I I I'm very stubborn about not growing beyond your capacity. These cards show look, wait and then wait some more. So that's my reading on it and I hope that Alexis does uh you know come back and maybe listen to the show in the archive. So let's turn this over to Murphy. Okay. Um Oh I'm sorry. I I'm wrong. I just heard Shiva from the other room. Jeremy, let's turn this over to Jeremy. My fault. <laughs> sorry.
3: <laughs> either way. I'm I'm good either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good either way. But I would look at the um the the questions here that Alexis posed and, and there's really two questions. Uh uh what what can I, uh, What what root work can I do to stand out from the other applicants? That's, you know, and, but the first question really is: Is it in my best interest to to do all this stuff or wait until and and save up? And so I like to use bibliomancy, which is a form of biblical divination, and I do it uh, with my book Sefer Hashalat Sefer, which is a book of bibliomancy, and. Um, I'm going to tell everybody since this is a radio program, you can't see what I'm doing. I reach into my bag, and I've pulled out a token, and the token directs me to a certain one of the seven prophetesses of the Bible. And this is the prophetess of Abigail, this token. And uh, I use for Abigail a token. It, it happens to be a little coin from uh, from British West Africa from the 30s. It has – star of David on it, which is Abigail. The prophet is Abigail's husband. And it's interesting that I pulled out this coin because uh, it, it does indeed relate to financial matters. So uh, Abigail is a, is a good prophetess to have on your side. Now, I'm going to think about your question about saving and, and 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 ask Abigail. And she points me to uh, a table, too. And I pull down an ask and have asked your question, and I'm referred to uh, Exodus 16. uh, That's chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. And that says, that says, Alexis, he said unto them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest a holy Sabbath to the Lord, so bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So my feeling here is what uh, Abigail is trying to tell you by referring you to this uh, text in the Bible, is, is that you should, you know, Continue to do your daily routines and, you know, pay your daily expenditures, pay for your bread and, and your water and your things, and do your best to, to indeed save, to continue to save. So that's my first reading. The, the second issue is really a matter of, of uh, remediation and root work, what root work uh, can, can you do? and um there's a, a lot of root work uh uh to in order to make yourself a mm, a better more favored candidate and i'd like to refer you there's a lot of approaches in uh in in magic of, uh, to getting your way, of course, to influencing others. You can try to do the typical thing we think of is a love spell where we've entranced someone, we've bewitched them, we've charmed them, we've used all of those words, right? Those all magical words, um, we have fascinated them. And now they do what we want them to do. And sometimes we think of this as like a little automaton or, or robot. But there's another approach, and the, there's a, in the Jewish magical religious tradition, we try to leave free will alone. We don't want to put anybody under our, our commands. We want them to do things out of their own free will. So the way to change the tables a little bit in our favor is perhaps to make ourselves more appealing. Not to control the other person, but we do self work and 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 work on ourselves. And there's there's a lot of cells uh, out there. And I'll give you just one that both um, that that both works um, in the both the hoodoo tradition and in, and in the Jewish magical tradition or any of the traditions of the Abrahamic faith. If you say um, Psalm number four, three times before sunrise, and each time you follow the psalm with, may it please you, O ye to prosper my ways, steps in doings, let me find grace, favor, and mercy in the eyes of, and this is in whoever you're looking to, who's the decision maker, so that she may, or he may grant my petition, grant my desire and be amply fulfilled, and let my wishes be satisfied even to this day, for the sake of your great and mighty and praiseworthy name, Amen. Salah. And this comes from Shemush Tehillim, which was was used by Anna Rivas and and, and Anna Riva and uh, Godfried uh, Powers of the Psalms and Secrets of the Psalms. It's it's Psalmic magic, which is of course in line with with who do, the
1: practice of who do. Well, that's really neat. And again, uh, now we're going to turn this over to Doc Murphy. Now, um, to come up with some spell work. Let's see what Doc yeah. Murphy, what do you have to say?
2: Yeah, I just, whenever I, I kind of work with root uh, work prescribing, I just toss just a couple of cards just to, get, to give me a little bit of direction here. And all the cards are kind of describing that now is not the time to jump for renting property. Um, mm-hmm. The cards that are kind of bounding um, this, this um, situation is the Knight of Swords, which is the Knight of I'm going to race in and do things too fast and, and, and get in ahead of myself. And the other one is the Sun Reverse, which means things are still a little bit cloudy right now. Things are, things are not entirely clear with regard to the future. The cards that are kind of denoting the direction are um, denoting the season. Um, that it's probably not going to be right now in the wintertime. It's probably going to be in the spring when it's going to be time to actually move and make that jump. Um, The Five of Pentacles um, reverse came up. That's a card of kind of getting through the winter. Interestingly, the card about saving money and and, um, putting your money aside and about philanthropy and about taking care of the um, uh, Six of Pentacles, um, is in the middle, which is, again, another warning to, like, you know, hang on to your money, be smart with your money, be careful with it, save it. And the card that comes out that basically says that um, the direction you're going to go is the magician, so root work is going to work here. Um, but he's doing his magical work surrounded by flowers that are sprouting. So this is something to shoot for in the spring. And so the root work that I'm going to recommend is to get yourself a potted plant. Just just run to Home Depot or... or Uh, wherever you like to go and get your favorite gardening store and just get a small potted plant, preferably a money plant if you can find it and take a few coins and dress them um, while saying the 23rd Psalm, dress them with money house, blessing oil, um, peaceful home, um, uh, money stay, and uh, money draw, and kind of in the soil of the plant, plant those coins, and tend to that plant through the winter, and then as it grows and it starts to sprout, and if it's a flowering plant, if it flowers in the spring, that will be your sign that now is the time to look for the new place to live and to use that energy toward finding the real a really, really good place to go and rent. Um, here in Minnesota, they're actually right into uh, rental leases that if you try to move out during the winter in between November and February, um, you are still going to be responsible for the rent um, of the apartment that you move out of because it's very hard to fill apartments when it's icy and it's in the snow and when it's wintertime. This is a time to wait. Uh, save your money, plant that money, and plant those blessings into a potted plant, and then when spring comes along and that growth occurs, then you'll have both the magical energy and the magical strength to be able to find the place you're really supposed to live. So that's my recommendation, and and I will absolutely take uh, editorial help from other folks.
1: Well, you know, that kind of goes with that third card I had, the Knight of Pentacles, which is a person who has plowed and planted but is not... Mm -hmm yet the harvest time, and he's carrying Mm -hmm. a big coin. So your spell is very in line with my reading as well. I would um, say something else about this too. If you don't, this house that you are looking at right now, I don't think that's going to be a doer. I get a Mm -hmm. map um, of the area that you want to live in, and draw um, a line from where you live to that area bounded by where you want to be, like whether it's a four-square block area or a whole left-hand side of a big city. Whatever it is, you're going to draw from where you are and draw your bounding line. You might be inside your bounding line, too. It doesn't have to be a journey. When you have that bounding line on your map, I want you to just put that map down. That becomes your altar cloth, so to speak, and I want you to consider... Two candles because we did have some candles in my reading Um, one candle being where you are now and the other one where you want to go if you're inside the boundary then you're just going to put out uh, candles along the boundary line and just circle it you might want to put three of them for a triangle four of them for a square something like that and and burn those candles I do like the idea of coins in a potted plant I think that's beautiful and when the time is right and the plant is ready to pot up to the next size. It might even be a plant that you could put outdoors rather than an indoor plant, unless you're in an mm-hmm. apartment or hoping to get into an apartment that does not have ground around you. But if you're actually hoping to rent a house, you might want to get a plant that is perennial and rather than an annual because you want to stay there for a while. So those are my ideas on that. How about you, Jeremy? Do you have any idea? Mm. Uh,
3: I. I mean, these are all phenomenal ideas. I already gave one uh uh one um a specific uh uh guidance, but another one uh of influence is to wear malachite uh at whatever gathering you you are at when you're trying to make your application to your home uh that, that that you're interested in buying, the one that you're interested in buying. And that will help influence the the uh sellers.
1: hmm That's good. Malachite is good. And again, um uh coins are good, um you know, having some coins in your pocket. Um and of course five finger grass is good to be approved by others. Um Another thing that a lot of people use, you can um, plan your, ahead, and as I said, this may be some time, and and uh, Doc Murphy got that also. This is going to be a delay, so you have some time to think about it until spring, and get your um, you know do your candles, maybe do them uh, every uh, week, uh, or you can do them for two weeks out of the month as the moon grows to make things come your way. And um, I think that it's not impossible to do this, but what's impossible, what we're seeing is, it's impossible to do it right now. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, sometimes the way it, it is. Um, and you just have to you save, know, save.
3: Yeah, time. save up, save your
1: money. And Take also when you... St- Yeah, save your money, and also while you're saving your money, give a little money to Habitat for Humanity. Okay, that gets housing for the people who really can't afford it at all. All right, there's our music. the
2: most powerful
0: magic. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, So um, let us go on to our crazy dance tune.
0: all time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of TempleVirium.com in Seattle, Washington. Take it away, Dr. Jeremy.
3: Ah, thank you. Thank you, Clifford. Um, so this is a, a ritual uh, it, uh, to find your soulmate, and this is your bashert. I think I referred to this earlier, which is really your, your perfect fit, your perfect fit. And the things that you're going to need are a spice box, which are as simple – that can be as simple as a cigar box or a, a small box. Anything that you put uh, uh, spices in, I actually have one – that is a Lucky Mojo box. Um, and you're going to need two candles <laughs> and uh, some candle holders. So first what you're going to do is you're going to, and Ms. Kat, just, we just spent the time talking about compatibility and various traits, and we didn't even get into the interesting topic of which traits could supersede other traits and whether or not if a person has quality A, does quality C and D really even matter, and all of those complicated things. But, so, uh, speaking along these lines, what you're going to do is you're going to prepare a mix of spices according to the qualities that you want in your soulmate, all right? So, you, you look up in Miss cat's book and you fl- select, say, the appropriate incense um and uh, don't use anything that you're allergic to or whatever. But then like, let's say you want someone who's maybe brave or, or something. You, you would use yarrow or, or courageous, maybe nettle. Or if you desire someone who's romantic, you're going to take your spices. You're going to add rose petals. If you want your mate to be prosperous, you might use specimen spices or, or money herbs to your mixture, maybe maybe high morals is really what's <laughs> important to you. So frankincense and myrrh would be a great choice. Or you want someone who's kind of chill, right? You want kind of someone chill, then Vandal Root. But maybe you want someone who's a go-getter and totally focused all the time, it's like go, 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 go. So You're going to add a little coffee into it. And you just have to play with it because just like every quality, like not all smells, go together. So you're gonna blend your instance. And I'm just gonna also mention here, like if you become a really great incense maker, there's other other ways of adding these qualities into your mixture. Like for instance, a sapiosexual, you know, someone who's really attracted to the intellect, they might wanna add a little bit of King Solomon anointing oil in, in into their into their mix, right? Or maybe you don't want to use any, any, any odoring-causing aromas whatsoever. You could say certain biblical verses. So, for instance, if someone wanted their mate to be a good singer or have a strong voice, you, you, you generally recite Exodus. Uh, chapter thirty four, four, verses uh, six and seven, or Exodus uh, fifteen two, or Genesis forty four eighteen. Those are all all work for someone to have a great singing voice. And so now that you have your little formula and it's blessed with the the proper blessings, you've got your mixer just the way you want everything to to be. Right? You're going to set this aside with two candles and wait until the time is right. Now, the Talmud teaches us that every Sabbath we get a second soul. This is our soulmate, a second soul. And therefore, this ritual has to be done after the sun goes down on a Friday, on a Friday, and you have to see more than three stars in the sky, okay? So you bring out your spice box, okay, when this is happening, you bring out your spice box and your candles and your holders. And then Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, verse 26, tells us that the soul enters and leaves the body through the nose, through the nose. So while you're contemplating the various qualities that you desire your soulmate to have, you're going to breathe them all into your body along with that second soul, right? Right? During, you know that's given to you during this very special time. And you're going to place each empty candle holder on, on your little candle-safe altar about a foot apart, and then you're going to say these magic words. And the magic words, I can put them in the chat. It's Baruch HaTah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam That's Bessamim. And then you're going to open that box and you're going to breathe in the aroma of your soulmate until you feel refreshed, right? Then you're going to take some of the loose pot- potpourri, the incense that you made, and you're going to write the following sigil. It's called bashert, okay? You'll write the, the sigil between the two candles. Then you, the, the, the candle holder. So you write it with your incense. You draw. Or you sprinkle your incense. And then you take two candles, hold them together, because the candle flames represent souls, you light the two candles at one and then you set the two candles on either side of your sigil okay so you light them at the same time and after you light them you say the following magic words which is barukata arnai elohani malacholam bray muray Ha'esh, which means fire so and then and then what you can do is like if you want to really gild the lily you can look in the glow Of your of your of the you put your fingers next to the glow of the candlelight and they say that you can see the the face of your basher, your mate in the in your fingernails so it's a a type of fingernail scrime. so a lot of people want to know what do I do with all the herbs. Well, now you gather up them in the pile when your when you're, when your candles burn down, right? And you still have this pile of herbs on your table. You gather all of these burns and you just burn them on a charcoal intense briquette, and that that soul that the scent of that soul will be will permeate your your house and your room and 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 um, and and there you go.
1: That's the that's the spell.
3: The wow
1: complete with footnotes, <laughs> <Amazing>. yeah, footnotes. <laughs> wow there's nothing i can add to that that's really great that's really great yeah. you're you're amazing jeremy what a scholar wow and and what a magician too very very interesting yeah. spell um, well, I did one, one more one more little thing. I just wanted to say. Remember, I was saying earlier about soul, and I mentioned that song "Don't Lose Control of Your Soul," um, which was a local hit in the Bay Area by the Loading Zone. I did, and I did mention that "soul" was a very popular word in the Black community. I forgot to mention that the lead singer of the Loading Zone was an African American woman named Linda Tillery. So there was a connection to that song and to the Black community. <sighs> okay, well. This has been a, a soulful session and I hope people got something good to take home from it. Let's turn this over to Clifford and he's gonna give our announcements and then we'll all come back and maybe speak a few words and um say goodbye and no the music is not loud enough, Nagashiva. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Go means ahead, Clifford.
0: And thank you, Dr. Jeremy Weiss of TempleofMiriam.com in Seattle, Washington, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest, Luke Freya Rose, for the, uh, for the Oracle Hour of freyahealings.com in New Mexico, bringing us the topic of weird tarot decks you've never heard of. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find this cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and doc murphy at docmurphy.com in the cities of Taganistan. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe, joining you from hoodlowe.com, the Lucky Mojo Voodoo hour for every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available and archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks everybody, and goodbye. Well,
1: thank you, Clifford. Um Thank you all for the three Cousin show, <laughs> and thank you, Doc Murphy, for putting up with us <laughs> as we as we held the three cousin show. Um, we're all so happy to see Freya Rose in our uh, group air, so um, Come on over. After Tuesday, we'll be announcing it all over social media. It'll be on Instagram. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be everywhere. But um, come on over and check her out. She will have a bio page. You'll be able to book her. She's joining Hoodoo Psychics. You know you're going to love her because we love her, and we don't ever lie. We know who is good, and we tell you so. Okay. And it was nice to see her getting into our chat tonight. See her pretty face. All right, folks, I'm all ready to wind this up, and um, I'm going to go out and meet with my soulmate, and we're going to hug and cuddle, because that's what we do after every one of these shows. Good night. Good
2: night. Good night. Good night.